What is up, guys? Welcome back to episode seven of the Zach and Pat Show. I'm Zach. I'm Pat. And we are here. It's a Monday episode. That means it's just Pat and I. Uh, we do have some housekeeping to chat about here for a second before we get started on, onto the show. Um, Pat and I have decided to start a Zach and Pat book club. I made a goal at the beginning of 2024. I wanted to get back to reading daily, and I wanted to read a book a month. Pat decided to join me in that, and uh, we're going to be reading the same book every month, and then at the end of the month, we're going to be doing a podcast on that book. So this week, or this month, I should say, is Atomic Habits by James Clear. So get it, read it with us. Um, it's a great book. I'm, you know, about a quarter into it so far, if maybe a little less than that, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I've read it before, but I think you get a little bit out of something when you read it the second time, or you get Absolutely. a little bit more and more each time. So, um, yeah, and it's a uh, Monday episode, so that means it's just him and I, and, or Pat and I, and we are, what are we talking about today, Pat? Really, the focus is going to be things to avoid in 2024 when it comes to real estate, whether, you know, purchasing or selling, um, both on on the real estate side itself, as well as the lending side. So yeah, I think that's a great, yeah. Get us started. Do's and don'ts. Let's start with selling. selling. That's, that's going to be your, that's, that's go off on it. I don't have much to say on that. Yeah, for and, sure. Well, if you're going to be selling your house anytime this year, I don't think it's ever, too, it's never too early to reach out to a real estate agent, you know, especially a good one, have them come over and, and, and kind of tell you what they think that you should do to your house to maybe, you know, it de- depending on what your goal is, you know, there's several different ways that we can look at this. Do you want to maximize, maximize your profit? Do you want an easy sale or do you kind of want something in between? If, you know, if you're trying to maximize your profit, I would highly recommend reaching out to a real estate agent now and have them come over and give you their opinion on what you think they, you should do if you really want to maximize the profit. Hey, should we paint this room? Hey, this carpet's nasty. Should we, should we replace it? Uh, you know, we were talking about doing X, Y, Z should, is that something that we should do? Do you think that's a smart move? If we're going to, if, if we want to see a return on that investment, will, will I see that if we're going to sell, if it's going to cost me X amount of dollars, are we going to see that on the back end plus some, is it worth our time? Um, that's something I would, I would do now is I would reach out to an agent, have them come over, evaluate it, really keep that conversation at the forefront. So that way, he knows what's going on. He can, he or she can take a, take a look at what's going on in the neighborhood. You can keep, keep an eye on the comps. He can give you a rough idea of what your house will sell for. Because at least I've had recently, I've had several people reach out to me that they wanted to, they want to sell their house that maybe they only bought two or three years ago. And I mean, yeah, we have seen some appreciation, but there's some instances that, you know, when, whenever you're buying, the, the fees that you're paying out are not nearly as much. At least that's how, how things generally work is the, the comm- commissions are paid by the sellers most often. I know that a lot of things in the news are kind of that. that, that, that yeah, it's kind of up in the air now. But traditionally, the, the both commissions are paid by the seller. And so there's that, that's a large fee that you may not may or may not know. So talk to your agent, find out what that fee is, what that's going to look like. So that way you're, you know, you have an idea of, Hey, is it worth it if I sell my house right now? Or am I going to, am I going to make what I need to make on it? Or because the last thing you want to do when you sell your house is be, is paying money to the title company. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. that's- and you were mentioning things to fix. Is there just some basic general things that you would recommend right off the top? Right off the top. Basic typical housekeeping yeah. type things. Like sure. what would you recommend? 
you got two, three or four things. Okay. Um, well, the, I can tell you the areas of your house where I think you're going to see the, the biggest return on your investment. I think those three areas are your kitchen, your bathrooms, and your exterior. I think that if you can make all three of those areas the prettiest that you can, I think that's where you're going to see that that's what's going to attract most buyers to your property. That, among other things, you can't change the location of the house. That's now that's a whole nother thing that we can get into, but that that's something that you can never change that right. you're you're kind of stuck with when you buy the house. Right. So, but as far as what sellers can do to maximize profits, you can, you know, update the kitchen. And you know, uh, easy ones, all, another thing also to really make a, a house feel newer and nicer, light fixtures. Light fixtures and paint. Light fixtures, paint and flooring go a long way. Mm-hmm. Whether whether you're putting down new carpet or laying down uh, you know, some type some type of floating floor or if even if you're going, you know, with some really nice hardwood, the the flooring is is a huge thing, and it really changes the whole look of the entire house. Well, I know when I'm looking at stuff, and I get when I'm working up numbers for people looking to buy, and they send me the addresses, and I go to look it up. Like the first thing that catches my eye is you can tell when there's new flooring or fresh paint, mm-hmm. and the way it just pops in the picture. For sure, you can tell, and it's just like, oh wow, this house looks great. And I mean, obviously, there's professional f- photography done. Right. Um, but usually that's the first thing when I'm looking at things online that catches my eye. Yeah. Well, and, and you just said something there that kind of made me think of when going back to talking or talking to agents, you don't need to hire the first agent you talk to either. And which I, I would say, I think there's a stat out there. I think it's like 88% of people go with the first real estate agent they, they speak to, which is a pretty crazy stat, in that my is opinion. Pretty great. especially right. when it comes to selling. I'm, that might be wrong on that Murphy. Maybe you can look that up, but I, if you're going, if you're hiring an agent to sell your house, I would talk, I would, I would ask them a lot of great questions. There's a lot, I'm sure you can Google some great questions to ask real estate agents, but some that I would, I would recommend is I would have them show you some houses that they've sold, show them, show them their stats. Like how, how experienced are you in this? Have you dealt in this neighborhood before? Um, do you, have you, do you have a lot of experience in this price, this price point? That could be a, a whole nother thing too. Um, you really want to, yeah. 67% 67% of buyers interviewed only one agent and 80% of those sellers worked with the first agent they interviewed. But I say 88%. 88, okay. I was, yeah. I was, I was close. Right, close. This one's right beneath. It says actually 89%. So you were yeah. like within a percentage. Yeah. Point. Damn. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people go with the first agent that they speak to and Hey, I'm not gonna, hey, if I'm that first agent, go with me. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But, uh, <laughs> I'm just fucking around people. All right. Um, but it, but seriously, it, seriously, it's uh, you know, you can interview other. I've been, I've gone through that before. It's, it's stressful, you know, where I know that they are going. I'm up against several other agents, and sometimes I know who those agents are, and I'm like, okay, well, they're, they're you know, they're heavy hitters, and you know, I might not get this one. I've, I've had that happen where I've been the, been the winner, and I've, and I've won, and I've had it where I've been the loser, and hey, it's okay. It's just all on, you know, how that person connected with that seller most times, or. A lot of times, in my opinion, it's that agent telling the seller what they want to hear. Right. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother thing is because I can, I can tell you, hey, your house is going to sell for 500000 but it's not going to sell for 500000 Right. Well, and here's, this is something that I've always wished that there was a way to show is what other agents, like basically a grade that other agents give agents. You know, so you could be like, all right, this agent, I've worked with this agent. He's an A plus working with other agents. So that way, because that is so important. People like, I don't think 
obviously people aren't doing this on a daily basis. One of the most important things I think, or the one, the most important thing in an entire transaction is communication. And if, if you've got an, if you're working with an agent that isn't as great at communicating with the other agent or the, the, the listing agent that you're going in at, if, if you're, if you're representing the buyer and you go in and you see that this seller agent has a grade of a C, you know, that this, you have an idea going in that this is communication wise could be tough or on, on the flip side, you, you know, as a, as a, as the selling agent and you have an, you know, a high grade. Now you're looking at contracts coming through and it's another way for you to sell. Like, Hey, listen, I've been rated by my peers with, with an A plus rating, yeah. meaning my communication skills, my ability to stay on top of things is, and that's not me saying that that's the people that I work with other realtors and being able to show that. Cause I, it's, that's such a huge part in this. And I, I think that would be cool if there was a way to come up with some sort of system like that to be able to grade. Yeah, dude. I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea for an app, man. If someone's out there listening, make that thing. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Let us, let us invest. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll be a, we'll be a patent that idea. Yeah. yeah. We don't release this episode until we patent. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I forgot what I was. No, but that, that, that yeah. communication between the agents is so, so important. I can't tell you how many times where I've, I mean, I can definitely say we, that the, the fact that the agent on the, whether I was on the buying side or the selling side, but more specifically when I'm on the selling side and, and that buyer's agent is, it is a great communicator. Like whether they're reaching right. out to me all the time, they're actually calling me. You'd be surprised. How many agents do not call the listing agent? People, uh-huh. So many people are afraid to pick up this fucking phone. It's insane. It's dude, call, <laughs> call the listing agent and and build that relationship. I mean, if if it's a property, if I'm represent, if I'm a buyer's agent, if I'm representing the buyer on a deal, if, if this is a house I know my clients want and they're going to write an offer, I am start. I am calling that agent generally the day that it's you know when they when they tell me about it. I'm kind of, even before we show it, I want to call, I want to find out, hey, what's the story? Right. How, you know, why are the sellers selling? What? Because there's always a reason. There's, right. People don't just sell for the fuck of it. Right. People sell because, you know, they're, mo- they're, they're upgrading, they're downsizing, they're moving away, divorce. they got to get into a divorce. I mean, there's a thousand reasons. And knowing what those reasons are can definitely help tailor how you write that offer. Right. Like, all right, well, if it pays well. You guys, you guys are, oh, so we're buying, you guys are buying a new house. Okay. When's that one closing? Would you guys want to close on the same day? You guys want to close, you know, on the new house. And then, then this one, like figure out what they want. Right. And then you can tailor that offer to them and, and, and build that relationship. And especially when there's multiple offers, which we're going to see in 2024, it's right. going to happen. Oh, yeah, we're going to get back to 2021, 2020 numbers where we're seeing anywhere from, you know, three to 20 offers on houses. Yeah. I mean, shit, there was one I wrote on last weekend that had 21 offers and 96 showings in their first fucking weekend. Yeah. So here it's, it's, it's coming here. people. It, it's, it's coming. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean the, the way the tsunami is building in the distance, oh, yeah, you absolutely. know, the hurricanes coming in mm-hmm. like it, the Doppler's reading it. We're, right. we're a couple months away. I mean, we, we showed, or I sent you that video yeah. last night. Well, fuck, let's play the audio. Again. You're going to look at those people the same way you looked at people who bought houses at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. Uh. You're going to look back and be like, damn it. Why wasn't I that smart? Why was I so scared? What was I thinking again? You're going to look back with tons of regret because I believe 
Anybody who buys a house right now is going to get the best deal you're going to see in years. There is no competition. And the second that these rates drop, you're going to see millions of buyers jump onto the market. And housing prices will never be the same. This is going to be your moment. That's my prediction. And if I'm wrong, if we come back uh, a year from now, six months from now, and the market hasn't changed and nobody's making a ton of money, pies all in my face. But I'm telling you... (laughs) I'm telling you, I am very confident with this prediction. So what you're saying, people that buy in the first two months of 2024, I'm going to recap, are going to see their home value much higher by the end of You're not going to have to wait five years to get your equity is what I'm saying. I I don't think it could have been said any better than that. Because it's coming. It's it's exactly what we're going to experience this year. So, you know, if you're looking to buy this year, and I would do it sooner rather than later. Before right. before March, ideally, if if you're really wanting to get in before we're seeing a zillion offers on every single fucking house again. Right. Well, and, and <clears throat> you know, it's so in 2020 and 2021, we saw rates in the threes and then the twos, and then they started to come back up. And we got to the point this past year where we were seeing rates in the eights. So now, as we start to see rates come back down, that interest rate that's a six in the sixes and then even further out gets down into the fives. That's going to be the new two and three percent interest rate, mm-hmm. yeah, because we're not we're not ever going to see those again in our lifetime. We're never no. going to see two and three, and and if we do, odds are we're not going to be worried about our houses. To be honest, that means some what bad. That? that just means some bad things have happened within the economy that the like we're not at that point. We're not going to worry be worried about buying a house and what interest rate we're going to get because we're going to be just trying to survive at that point. It'll be it would be that it would be a, basically we would have to have another COVID time even but even bigger because we've been through it we know how to get through it we know what we need to do if something like that because of how basically to save our economy the things that we needed to do during that time like it was it was a it was rough and that's what caused interest rates to drop so when bad things happen to the economy interest rates drop all right so if something like that were to happen i'm kind of i would be scared to see what that event or thing is um, but I, I mean, for me personally, being in this business and on that side of things, interest rates in the fives are a great solid rate. Well, yeah. I think that's where the market is at an equilibrium is at 5%. Yeah. I mean, when I bought my first house, this was 2016, 2017, 2016 or 2017. I think it was a five, five and three quarters, yeah. 5.75, which I didn't know shit. I was like, Oh, that's what it costs. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, like I didn't even think about it. I just, right. I just bought the house cause I wanted to buy the house and right. I, you know, that first house that I bought, I don't know if I, I guess I haven't told this story, that, that story, but that was my first investment property. I was 23 years old. I think I bought a house. I was still working at uh, sugar fire at the time. And, uh, me, my dad, I bought the house technically and, uh, we flipped it together. Me, my dad and his, uh, his best friend, he had, he's done a handful of flips. I bought the house and they basically uh, that was how how we how we formulated the deal. Um, we, I bought the house, and then they paid for all the renovations. And then whenever we sold it, we split the house three ways, or we split the cost three ways. So, um, yeah, and that, that was great. We we bought it for sixty nine thousand dollars, little uh, two bedroom, one bath over in Afton, and we put think we put like twenty seven into it. 
And then we, we, and we added a bedroom and then I ended up living in it for like nine months. And then obviously I, I paid, I paid all the holding costs for the time that I lived there. And then, uh, my business partner or my, my dad's buddy, he wanted to, he was, he was ready for us to sell it. So, you know, I didn't have much to say about it. So we, we sold it and we split the profit three ways. We sold it for like one forty. You know, so we each made, you know, like right. 12 grand or so yeah. after, after expenses and everything. And, uh, and I used that and actually, well, Gene and I went and lived in an apartment for a couple of months, but then I bought the house that we still own to this day. And, you know, that one's appreciated almost a hundred grand since I bought it right. in 2018, which oh, is yeah. fucking crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. Actually, Pat, can I ask a question? Sure. Because when I started being able to get approved for loans, my dad always warned me, he goes, Never accept a loan that has a rate over 5%. Now, my, my pops is old, old, old school. Like, he's from the silent era. But when you say, like, 5% is a good, acceptable rate, is that, like, in terms of best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, it's, like, a dead middle kind of thing if we're not going to see those rates again? I mean, it's just, I think that might be the low end that we see on rates for a long time. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we get back into the four high fours. Um, but I think any at some point, I think, like a good rate in the in the future is going to be five to five and a half. So, actually, do you remember what we did on my house by any chance, Zach? Was it like five point nine, something like that? So, if I'm to refinance, because be honest, like, you're probably not. You're if even. I mean, unless rates get into the fours or potentially low fives, the way we look at it, and when it comes to refinancing, and these are the questions that anybody coming going to be refinancing this. This is the first thing I ask. When people call, hey, what are rates? I want to refinance. Okay, how much longer do you see yourself being in the house? Because there's a break-even point. There's still cost to to refi your loan, and you know, it, it, and right now a lot of lenders are us included. If you purchase, um, we're waiving our lender costs, and they say, oh, it's a free refi. It's not free. There's, I can't waive title costs. Like that's not my area to waive. I but. Lenders are waiving the lender portion of their fees. We still might have to order an appraisal. I can't tell the appraiser not to get paid on a deal. Still have to do a credit report. I have to call them. What am I going to call the third-party company that's offering credit? Hey, I want this for free. They're going to laugh at me. Like, so there's still cost involved. And so what we do is we look at what you're saving, and we look at the total cost, and not including setting up your escrow account because that's a recurring cost but just your actual one-time fixed cost on the refi, and we divide it by what you're saving. And if you tell me that, you know what, I'm only going to be here for like another two, maybe three years, and that break even on the refinance is is at three years, then, you know, we might not want to refinance because you're not going to recoup what it is that you're paying out. Um, but if you're like, oh, this is my forever home, you're like, fuck yeah, let's let's get you refinanced. Let's, t- let's get take take advantage of this and get that lower rate as soon as we can. And so, um, but I, I don't know, based on the experts that I follow and what I have been reading and seeing, I do think we should see rates back in the fives, maybe high fives by the end of this year mm-hmm. um, and continuing to drop through next year. Uh, but I don't know if we'll quite get back to four. If someone's an investor, though, they'd probably have a different mindset on that, correct? Like if they're oh, trying absolutely, to like, if they're trying to like cash out refi. They don't care so much about what the percentage is; they just want their equity out of it, so they can start investing in other homes more than likely. Oh, absolutely, yeah, sure. yeah. They're 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 wanting to keep their their costs as low as possible. Yeah, hey. sure. 
Let's talk about the buy side. Buy side. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, this will this will kind of get right, right into my next point. I would avoid using big box banks because tongue twister. Fuck, I can't say it right. Big box banks. <laughs> big box banks, bitch. Big box <laughs> banks, bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, but I would avoid those fuckers. This is why. Whenever we get into a multiple offer situation and say there, say I've got five offers in front of me and all of them are pretty similar price in terms. Okay, so the similar price. And what I mean by terms is what what else other than the price can you negotiate into a deal? There's a lot of things. Well, we can we can edit our inspection contingency. We can offer to buy it as is. We can uh, you know, kind of whittle that down even more. Like, hey, we'll buy it as is. We're definitely not going to ask for anything. We're going to uh, ask for anything to be repaired. Or you can remove your inspection contingency altogether, which scary, but it's it's happened. I've seen it. I've done it. It's it's scary, and people will do it. And it's if it's the house that they want, and we're looking through it, and it doesn't appear that there's anything, you know, that's jumping out at us, then you know you can do it. I mean, it, it's something that can be done. I don't necessarily recommend it, but it's. What I've seen win deals many, many times. Yeah. You can edit your your appraisal contingency, you, which meaning that you know generally most people are going to be getting a loan. So say I'm I'm writing an offer on a, the house is listed at two hundred thousand, and I am writing there's ten other offers on it, and we wrote an offer that is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. My clients really want this house; they're willing to pay fifty thousand dollars over what it's listed for. I know this sounds crazy, but this is what we saw for two. You know, two years straight, Pat and I both have written dozens, if not hundreds of offers, probably hundreds, hundreds of offers that that were like this. And it's crazy. I know it sounds nuts, but it's what fucking happened. And it's going to happen again, more than likely. I can't predict the future exactly, but it's looking like it's that's going to happen again. So appraisal. So it's a $200,000 house. You're going to write an offer for $250,000. Okay, well, then if you're getting a loan, you're going to need an appraisal done. So maybe the house only appraises for 225. So what do you do with that $25,000 gap? So if you remove your appraisal contingency, that means that the buyer is going to have to come up out of pocket with that additional $25,000. And then the down payment is off of what it appraised at. So Correct. not only so whatever your down payment 3, 5, 10, whatever if, if say you're coming in with 5%, now you're coming in with 5% of 225 plus, plus 25k. So you need to have the funds to, if you're going to make an offer like that, you have to have the funds to make up the difference. So you can remove that appraisal. So when you remove the appraisal contingency, you, ha- you, you, you have to pay that difference. If you have your appraisal contingency in, you have three options. You can, uh, the, the buyer comes up to, the, to the, the offer price, the seller comes down to the appraisal price, or most often, I think you, meet, you generally meet in the middle, depending on how much funds or how much... Uh, you know how much funds the buyer has to make of the difference, but that's all. And it again, it becomes another negotiation that you generally, at least in Missouri, you have three days to resolve. Um, so appraisal, inspections, and there's other things that you can we can add in there, like your your municipality or your occupancy inspection, uh, financing contingency. That's that could be a big one. Um, but you know if you're working with a, a lender like Pat, who's going to get you fully underwritten before. We even start looking at houses, then you know it's generally not a huge deal to waive that financing contingency. Um, but those are generally the things that you can do to edit your office. So that's what I mean by terms. Going back to my my original point, uh, <laughs> which so if I've got five offers in front of me, they're all similar price and terms, and but it's going to come down. 
the next thing I'm going to start looking at is, all right, who are the lenders? Who's, who's most likely going to close? If it's a big box bank, fill in the blank, you know, banks that you've, which, which are great banks. Like I bank at a big box bank. I've, I've got several business accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts at a big, big box banks, but they're very good at that. But they're not so good at mortgages in my experience. I've had, I've had poor experiences on a number of occasions from big box, big box banks. Can't say that fucking word. Um, and it's just, they do a lot of things, right? They do checking accounts, savings accounts, CDs, whatever the fuck else they do. They do a lot of different things and they do mortgages. The, when, whenever my experience, whenever their, their mortgage division, or I don't know how exactly it works, but they're, when they're going up the chain of command, it feels like there's a lot of different steps, a lot of different fingers in the pie. And whereas when you're dealing with a smaller local bank or a mortgage company specifically, in my experience, that's the best route to go. Uh, a company that specifically does mortgages because that's all they do. They specialize in mortgages. This is what they do day in, day out. They're familiar with the trends. And on top of that, they, most of them are, they're, they're, I mean, almost all of them are going to be paid on commission just like us as real estate agents. They're 100% commission. When you're dealing with a big box bank, generally those people are salaried positions and maybe they're getting some sort of kickback whenever they close loans, but I don't exactly know. Maybe we can... You know, I might have someone reaching out to me, out to us being mad about what I'm saying right now. And hey, you have it all fucking wrong. But it seems like they don't care nearly as much about the deal closing. And they're generally working nine to five when guys like Pat, I always say that they work whenever I'm talking to my buyers, I'm saying, well, all my guys that I send you, they all work the same hours that I do, which is basically 24 seven. So if you call him, I always tell my clients, when are we going to be looking at houses? Most likely nights, weekends, when you guys are not working, because most people work nine to five. So we're going to be looking at houses in the evenings and weekends. Well, if you have a question about what your payment's going to be before we submit this offer and you want to, and you're, you're banking with us bank oops, um, <laughs> and, and you, uh, and you want to call them and ask, what is your, uh, you know, what's my payment going to look like if we offer two thirty five on this house? They're not going to get back to you until they get in the office at Monday morning at nine o'clock. You can barely get anyone on the phone at U.S. Bank just by calling a location. You get an automated thing, and then it takes like ten to fifteen minutes to get someone on the phone, bro. Exactly my point. That's 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 your experience. What you know, and if you're trying to buy a the, buy a house and you have a question about what what is this going to be, that's the exact experience that you're going to get. Well, even even making a point like this, it, let's say you want to get a steak. You can get a steak at one of these two places. I can go to the steakhouse, which specializes in steaks, or I go to Waffle House. They got a steak. Yeah. They also got a lot of breakfast food. It's all super cheap, but like, where do I want to go? Do I want to go to the place where they offer a lot of different things and none of them are very good? Or do I want to go to the place that specializes in the thing I need and I know it's going to be great? Dude, that's a great, that's a great way to put that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that yeah, with my clients. That's I like way. that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. That'll be $5. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and, what, and it, I feel like we've picked on big box banks a lot, but yes, <laughs> banks, like you said, going back to what you were talking about, they're usually paid a small salary and then might get some sort of bonus off of what they closed. So honestly, they could care less whether your loan closes or not. Um, but you know, they are, odds are they're probably going to, their interest rates might be slightly less because of that. They're making their money on everything else and just have mortgages, which 
when they most banks when they started it was for the people that bank with them, and then they opened it up to everyone else. And so you might get a different, you might get a slightly lower rate. But let's say, let's say you're buying a house, and the difference in your monthly payment is fifty bucks. All right. So if you're doing that, if fifty bucks, it's fifty bucks over a month, more. Odds are, you know, I think the stat that I saw is people typically refinance every three years. So even if that's the case, Damn, is it that often? yeah. Oh. So even if it's if it's if it's that frequent, and we're looking at fifty dollars over thirty six months, is it worth paying an extra eighteen hundred dollars to have someone, an expert there that you can reach out to even after the loan closes? I I can't tell you how many of my past clients still text me and call me afterwards because they have questions or they there's something came up and they need help with something or anything, like paying that extra $1,800 over three years to have unlimited resources behind you, you know, that, that's one way you have to look at it. You don't look, don't look at it over 30 years. Yeah. You look at it 30 years. That's a big fucking difference. But the odds are, I mean, the average person, they say owns a home for what? Seven years yeah. is what it is. And odds are you're going to refinance at least once before right. you sell it. And so even in that difference, like having that expert there, to guide you and hold your hand through this process, make it smooth. And for any mortgage company is going to carry that reputation. That's going to probably help you win more. So, okay. and which kind of leads into. You uh, get what up? you pay for. I mean, that's right. it kind of, right. that's really what it all boils yeah. down to. When Kamala Harris is like, you get what you vote for. <laughs> <laughs> you sure do. Madam yeah. vice president. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is, it's true. You get what you pay for. And, you know, which leads into, you know, what I would, uh, on my side of things, I would avoid in 2024, last minute pre-approvals. Oh. Like calling in, like if you're standing at a house and you're not pre-approved, you're too late. I yeah. mean, we can do, so here's the thing. I can get a quick pre-approval done. And, and for the longest time, a lot of these, a lot of these big companies were offering, oh my God, quick pre-approval. But is that really what you want? Like, don't you want to understand the different options? Don't you want to be able to go through the different thing, like different things that you can do with your mortgage and how, and, and be educated on this? Because I could sit here and knock out a quick pre-approval, but you're going to go in not understanding a fucking thing. Like when I work with my clients, I want them to be able to understand everything about what they're doing. The, I, sitting down and doing a consultation to realize all the options that are available to them and helping them kind of decide which one's going to be best for them, but ultimately leaving it up to them like, oh, hey, you know what? I want to put 5% down instead of 20, you know, and how to use that extra 15% that they're not putting down elsewhere. Like things like that. Like it doesn't, you don't need a quick pre-approval. You need, uh, I always tell people, take your time through the pre-approval process. I mean, depending on how quickly like people can get their docs to me, I mean, it could take up to a week if you're not, if you're piecemealing your docs into me, but you need to have your docs ready to roll. You need to be able to like sit down and take the time to, to do the application. I like to do mine over the phone. I have an online website. But most of the time when people fill it out, I still have to call them and ask them things because they don't fill it out right. So there's that. I, I'll do my application over the phone, get it done, and then give them the list of documents that I'll need from them. Because I don't know what, what you do for a living or how you're paid or anything like that. And that changes the type of documents that are needed. So after that initial phone call, which may take 20 minutes, 
I give you the list of docs and I send you a link, a, a secure link to upload those docs through. Once I have them, I will go through, get everything worked up, and I will create a custom presentation yeah. for all the options that are available to you to show you. I'll show you, like, and I'm, part of that conversation I have is finding out what their goals are. Because sometimes people's monthly payment goal does not match up with the purchase price goal that they're wanting. And so I have to show them what it takes for them to buy at the purchase price that they want to get the goal monthly payment that they want. And once they see that, they're, you know, it kind of helps change that perspective on where they're buying right. and, or, or that payment that they're paying. And they might be like, oh, well, you know, I might be able to do a, a little bit more per month. I would rather you be set on your monthly payment like, hey, this is where I'm at. And then catering the sales price around that monthly payment because you're not going to get yourself in trouble. You know what you bring home before and after, you know, after taxes, after you put your money into a retirement account, insurance, things like that. I'm looking at everything before taxes. So I may qualify you for way more than what you're comfortable with, but you ultimately know how much you want your monthly payment to be. These are all things that you need to be prepared for and waiting to the last minute isn't properly preparing you to purchase a house. And any market, especially a market that we're getting ready to head into, because in a market like this, you need to get your pre-approval done. And like you mentioned, getting fully underwritten, yeah. getting through underwriting before you even write an offer, before any money's out there. And then that way you're going out instead of having just a pre-approval letter, you have what we call a commitment letter. Right. And meaning Wave that, that we, yeah, and we're, we're setting this thing up for the absolute max with the highest possible interest rate that you could still qualify for. Because anything less than that, is gravy. Like you're going to be yeah, golden. For sure. And so we send them out and you have this max commitment letter and it states to the sellers like, Hey, I've already been through underwriting. I'm ready to rock and roll. I can close in as quick as 10 days if I need to. Typically, if you're fully underwritten, we say two to three weeks, but if we need to, we can get you closed in 10 days. And in a market when there's so much competition, you need to do the things that are going to make you, like you said, stand out. And that's, by going through underwriting, you can waive your financing contingency. You can, you know, write a quicker closing, you know, and we've got certain programs that, you know, if we have you fully underwritten that will, and it, and it doesn't close for some reason, we can like cat, we've got a cash back one where cash is, everybody says cash and King. You can go in with an offer in cash. We're still going to try and get the loan finance in that time. But if we don't, then we'll buy the house in cash for you. And so uh, being cash back. Or, um, <laughs> excuse me, just that quick closing allows us, allows you to be more competitive. For sure. And it's just things like that, that not everyone can do, especially usually some of these big banks. I mean, I used you to buy a house last year and, and I always knew you were very good at what you did. But when I actually experienced it on the customer side and you, you put me through, I feel like you gave me the whole, you gave me the whole customer experience. Like right. I, I really got to see what it is you do as from a customer side and like, you know, sitting down with you on the zoom and kind of going through, Hey man, these are your four, you know, your three or four options that, you know, I think would be your best options. I think this is probably your, the one you're going to choose. You know, this would make, mm -hmm. this is the one I would do if I were you, you know, and mm -hmm. it just, it, it really, it really showed how good you are at what you do. And it just made you stand out because I've, I've bought several houses in my life now and I've used different lenders and it was, it was the best experience I'd ever had. So I would recommend, you know, using a guy like Pat or use Pat and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, not, not all loan officers are the same. No, it doesn't, even just if, not all real estate no, agents are the right, same. Not all cops are the same. Right. Not all teachers are the not, same. Not exactly. all doctors, not all 
everything. Every, there's there's there always that, that are, industry. Yeah. And that it goes back to like, and if you are shopping and, and it's a thing, if you're going to oh. shop, if you're going to shop, you know, and talk, like get to know the lender, find out about the lender. I know people that research where they're going to dinner more than they research the loan officer that they're working with. And like I said, not all loan officers are the same. Heck, even at my own company, like there's, you know, there's a, there's, there's tiers. You got your top tier. You got a middle tier. You got a low tier, just like in yeah, any business. Same sure. thing with agents. Like I wish there was a way for agents to, I mean, obviously you can leave reviews and testimonials and five stars and shit like that, but I wish there was a way for realtors to rank or grade lenders that they've worked with or used. And it's, it's, and, and yes, I get all, I've got a lot of reviews, especially from the agents. Again, it goes back to communication. Like I, if, if I've got a client writing on a house, give me the listing agent's name. I'm going to call them yeah. and I'm going to explain to them everything. Dude, that stands the fuck and, out. Let me tell oh, you. absolutely. Like you said, people are afraid to pick up the phone and that is a least of my fears. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk to anybody. Right. And so I have no problem calling a listing agent and, and just talking with them, shooting the shit, but then explaining to them the process that my team does and the way I go about my business, knowing that, Hey, you know what? Every week I'm going to call you on Tuesday or Wednesday and give you an update based on what is happening right then and there. And if there's a problem, I am going to let you know, but I will also let you know that we have a solution to solve. it. And if, if everything, most of the time it's just running smooth because we do the due diligence up front. I would rather be a pain in the ass up front when no money is on the line than once you get under contract, it's stressful enough buying a new house. My aspect and my side of it should be the least of it when it comes to purchasing a house. And there's so many different programs out there now and mortgage companies are so good and loan officers can be so good at what they do that being stressed for a mortgage should be the last thing on anyone. It should be any, a client's, or, you know, a home buyer's concern is the mortgage. Yeah. And if you're in, in there, unfortunately, that's just not the case for every, in, in every situation. Right. Well, I, you know, you say no, no last minute pre-approvals. Well, I would also, you know, kind of tack this on my side of it. No last minute showings. Well, I, or by, by last minute, I mean, don't. So this is how it's generally going to work. At least this is how it works through 2020. And, and honestly, the, the trend has kind of not really stopped in some markets, right. but Generally, houses go on the market kind of toward the end of the week, Thursday or Friday, and then they show the house for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Monday, and then they usually put some sort of offer deadline. All right, all offers in by 9 p.m. Sunday night or all offers in by noon on Monday. They're going to put some sort of deadline in there. So if if you see a house that you you were interested in, make it a point to to actually go out and see the house, like go see it before the deadline. Don't, don't, you know, if the deadline's it not, you know, reach out to your agent as soon as possible in, and have them look that up for you. Cause I know most of the time that's not, that's not available to the general public. That's kind of in the agent only section, or sometimes you may need to call the listing agent to find that out, right. which pick up the fucking phone agents and make some phone calls. But, <laughs> but if you, you know, if, if that deadline of the house is 9 p.m. and you're wanting to see the house at, you know, 8 o'clock at that night or something or 7 o'clock that night, you send it to me. Well, it's already too fucking late. Right. They've already got five offers in hand and, you know, maybe 
we might not even have time enough to get an offer in if you even say if you even like that right and here's the thing too that you tying into that is not only when you see a house that you like that that zach or any agent may send you through your mls portal or that you see online before you even go and look at it you should be talking with your lender no matter who it is hopefully it's me but no matter who it is and they should be able to give you a complete breakdown so all my clients i always tell them i was like if you see a house that you're willing to offer and send me the address, try and get that to me Thursday or Friday so I can get that ready for you heading into the weekend. So, you know, and you can like, and, and I usually do it in, in, depending on the market, like this past year, I would do it in increments of 5,000 because we weren't seeing as crazy offers over sales price. But in a market that we could see can, comparable to 20 and 21, where people are offering 30, 40, 50,000 over, I'll start doing it in increments of 15 or 20 or 30,000 over the list price. So you can see where you're at heading into this. And because your agent should be talking with the listing agent to get an idea of how many offers they have and have an idea, get a, a rough idea of what might need to be offered to win this. And now you have these numbers in front of you for you to be able to see, okay, well, I'm, you know what, I'm comfortable at the list price or Hey, this is listed at that. I'm I'm comfortable with the payment and what I need to close up to this amount. And even if it doesn't appraise out, I still have enough funds to cut. And this is how much I have to do for an appraisal gap. And and it just allows you to be prepared. That's the I guess really the ultimate thing that we're saying is be prepared. Yeah, just be, be prepared. prepared. And that is again no scheduling last minute showings on a house and waiting to the last minute on getting pre approved. Yeah, and get, get get yourself a good lender. And good real estate agent. And a good Murph. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, I think that kind of covers it. So that's our little home buyer guide for whether you're buying or selling houses in 2024. If you're in the real estate market, if there's ever anything that we can do for you, uh, you can always reach out to me at Zach underscore Vegas on Instagram. Uh, STL underscore mortgage nerd on Instagram or uh, just... Phone number is 314-706-5175. Call or text. Yeah, 314-971-9971. Like, subscribe. If you like the show, tell a friend. Uh, We will see you guys on Thursday.